Hey, everybody. Just uh, going live here a little early um, because I'm so excited about my guest. I want to make sure that um, whenever he logs in, we're ready to roll. So I'm starting a little early with you guys um, so I can get our time in together like we always do at the beginning of this podcast. So hello, everybody, and Andrew and Katrina. Uh, for those of you on my Patreon, I sent out a little uh, message. Um, I apologize for going AWOL on the last uh, little bit. You know, uh, those of you who follow me know that I have my own little demons, and uh, that seem to pop up five or six times a year. Um, and uh, they definitely paid me a visit over. I like weird shit too, Dustin. Thank you. Uh, they definitely paid me a visit over the last couple of weeks. Um, but we're here and we're back and, uh, I'm excited to be here. And I, like I said, I left you guys a little message over there on, um, on Patreon, Patreon, Patreon. And, um, thanks Michael. And I'm excited about it. So today on the podcast, guys, none other than Bill mother fucking, Hey man, what's up, John Brody. Hey, Debbie De La Rosso. Bill Burr is on the show today. So I'm ex super excited about that, man. One of my um, cop, something good. My American bully is the greatest dog in the world. Great. My, my dog's half American bully. Um, but I'm super excited to have him on, man. You know, one of my comedy uh, heroes, I guess. Um, let me lower this just a little. Uh, and, and hero is the wrong word. Um, you know, my heroes aren't comics. But, you know, he goes, he carries himself in a way um that I find really admirable. Um, he is his own person, man. And uh, I'm really excited to talk to him about comedy. And, you know, we kind of grew up in the same area. And um, so I should be really excited. But as usual, I like to start off the show just with you guys. So um, tell me if you got any questions or I can tell you kind of what's been going on with me. And, uh, you know, as usual, we will try and we'll see. Um, we'll try uh, to get you guys in on uh, the screen with Bill, um, but we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, you know what, Garrett? I'm going to tell you something really interesting about comedians. Um, dude, none taken in. I'm not, I don't get upset about that kind of stuff. Like, I know who's better than me and I know who's not. Do you know what I mean? And I know who, uh, you know, it comedy is also subjective. So my hat does have a pickle on it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the demons and dark arts are dicks. They are Bradley. Um, what was I just talking about? Burr is a legend. Oh, about comics. I was just in Chris KC two weeks ago, Chris. Um, here's what the thing is about comics. Uh, and why I love hanging out with comics. And I bet you most comics would say this. Okay. I, I have a kinship with people who are comics who I've never even met, man. I know what you've been through. I know what you put yourself through every day. Do you know what I mean? I know, I know where you're at. I know the mics that you've had to do. And I know I, there's so many things. Hey, Ray, Ray and Katrina. No, 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 no uh, edibles. Uh, I take those after eight o'clock. I'm going to get Joey on here pretty soon, guys. But that's why there's a certain kinship, man. I know what you put yourself through. I know 
the hardships at a certain level that you've gone through um, to get to where you are, you know? And I know the fucking balls it takes to get up there. And, you know, I, I, I say this to everybody, you know, I bring people on stage with me on my show all the time. And, uh, what's going on, Sean? Um, and I will tell you, I said, I'll tell you right now what I tell them, Scott, I'm coming when I can, man. Thank you. That sounds dirty, but it isn't. Um, it takes balls to stand on stage. It takes fucking balls to stand on stage. So when, when I have like, uh, uh, when I see people like get booed or whatever by an audience member who's sitting out there judging, man, you hop on stage, you hop on stage because it is a motherfucker. You're trying to get a room full of people who have never met to laugh at the same thing, especially early on. You know, I could never. Okay. This is true and it's easy and it's uh, maybe it's bullshit, but whatever. Um, it is like having Carlin on the show, Dustin, without a doubt. Same kind of, for me, I agree with you. Um, so what's going on, Travis and Amber and Joseph, Joseph, did you get the stuff I sent you? Just want to know. Um, this is an interesting question. Do you guys write jokes material together and then decide who gets to use it? Kenny, interesting question. So as old, like right now, I don't write with anybody, but when I was a younger comic, you know, I remember in Seattle after, uh, open mics, usually it was like me and, uh, Brody Stevens, Tana Manu, uh, Mark Gardner, Gavin Boyd, not Joey as much. Um, but we would head to Joey Diaz. We would head to a place called, I think it was called the hurricane cafe. I think so in Seattle down near the space needle and, um, Texas is, uh, well, look, look, Texas anytime soon. Oh, wait, I'm going to see you next month. Fort Worth. There you go. Everybody just check it. Oh, you, did you, did you get the baby hand brother? Okay, good. Uh, and by the way, for those of you listening and not watching, I'm replying to comments in the chat, but so we would, um, go and write, but, it's not like we would write a joke and say, Hey, you use this one, right? If I tried a joke. Okay. So there was a joke that I used to tell. Um, and by the way, guys, February 6th, I'm doing, I'm streaming a special that I'm so fucking excited about. So I hope you guys can make it, but there was a joke I used to tell. And I can tell you that this was the first joke that I remember being proud of. I remember being proud of, Hey, Brenda and Char. Um, I was just in Denver, John. I remember being proud of this joke. Like, oh, I, I wrote a joke that you didn't see coming, right? So I had, when I was in Seattle, I had done some research to try to um, donate sperm because they were paying 50 bucks a pop. And I was like, fuck, 50 bucks a pop. And I needed that 50 bucks, right? This is from, no, this isn't from the CD, Reno. So, um, so, I was like $50. That is a ton of dough. And then I started to do the fucking math and be like, yo, if I had gotten $50 every time I jerked off, I might have been a millionaire before I left college. You know, you got it, Ray Ray. I'm glad you got it. Um, and so, uh, man, bring me some taco cabana tray. And so, yeah, you know, I thought I was like, there's gotta be a joke here somewhere. And so I remember telling the joke 
on stage. And um, this was the first time, and we had gone to Hurricane Cafe, and I was like, man, I really like this joke. And this dude, Tana Manu, was for, I'm telling you right now, um, he was the best. He was the best. I mean, and look, I only start the, the people that I that you would know that I started with would be Joey Diaz and Brody Stevens, both incredibly funny, but nobody was Tana. And Tana was was writing jokes at a level that you know that we hadn't seen because we were just starting, you know. And so I remember I told this joke about, you know, um, so statistically, the sperm center was only accepting less than 5% of their applicants, which means that statistically, it was easier to get into Harvard Law School than it was to donate sperm. And so, you know what I, so I said, uh, um, the original joke was, well, I'll just tell you what the end joke ended up being because then I don't want to ruin the punchline. And then I'll tell you what the original was. So I, um, yeah, man, Coco's my brother and Brody was too. Uh, so I said, um, that means they accept less than 5% of the applicants, which means statistically it's easier to get into Harvard Law School than it is if you want to donate sperm in Seattle. You know what that tells me? You know what that tells me? Really tells me? There's a lot of picky fucking lesbians. That was the joke, right? And back in the 90s, you could tell that joke without anybody getting their dick hurt. So, um, you got it, Garrett. So, I, you know, I was like, I remember saying, the first time I told it, I said, hey, you, uh, you got it, Brandon. I said, you know what that tells me is that there's a lot of picky fucking lesbians. So, Taino was a master at the joke and the, the structure of it. And I hadn't figured that stuff out and in pausing and the power of silence and all that shit, you know? And so I, I didn't have any idea about that stuff. And I remember him saying, Hey, this is a good joke. You're not getting the laughs. You got to pause. You got to give people an opportunity to go. When you go, you know what that tells me about Seattle? You know, that tells me, let them think about what that tells you and then pull them the completely other way. Nobody's expecting a picky lesbian joke. And like those kind of things is what would happen. So we weren't, we didn't write jokes for other people. We would tag each other's jokes. Now there've been many times in my life, um, Tana Manu, T-E-I-N-A-M-A-N-U. If you ask anybody who started up there with us, they would tell you, thanks, Steve. They would tell you that he was the funniest uh, out of all of us. Not even close. Uh, let me make a, one note on that. And by the way, I enjoyed my time on, t- on uh, um, my name is Earl tremendously. I, I, you know, the guy who wrote and created that show, Greg Garcia, I was on Raising Hope and Yes, Dear. And um, he, uh, I've been in a couple of his pilots and he, my name is always Josh on his shows. And I remember asking him like the fourth episode of Earl. I was like, why is my name Josh? And he goes, man, I, I just don't have confidence here that bright. And I don't want to confuse you any more than I have to. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. Um, I'm so happy you got the shirt, Char. Send it to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, jokes shouldn't be censored. Well, I agree with you. 
I agree with you. At the same time, like it depends on the, man, it's all about intent, but I loved that joke. Have I ever written a show or a movie? Both. Um, uh, me and a guy named Jonathan Sheck sold a screenplay to Adam Sandler's company a few years back. And I've written and sold four TV shows that never saw the light of day, but I love writing. I love writing for somebody else's voice. Um, yeah, I was in my name is Earl. That's right, Ian. I was, um, oh, thanks, Christopher. I appreciate it. Situational awareness is important in joke telling a hundred percent true. How do I get one of your little baby hands? Well, you watch, um, the high live and I send one to you if you win a prize, you know what I mean? It's easy like that. Um, and so we got, Bill's going to be joining us in 10 minutes, guys. And so this is a sick hat. Yeah, guys, this is the Portland pickles. Um, you can go to portlandpickles.com and pick up one of these. This hat is bad to the bone, everybody. Um, oh, Christine, my ADD. I, oh, I forgot to get a pen. Wait right here. I got to go get a pen so I can write things down. So I don't forget when Bill comes on. Um, I agree with you a hundred percent, Dave. I think his realness, it comes comes across the screen so well. I thought he was so fucking good in Breaking Bad. I really did. Um, he was cast by a woman named Sherry Thomas, who um, cast me in my, ver my very first TV, how I got my SAG card. I was on Home Improvement. And I remember, um, oh, they were so good to me. And, and Sherry, eh, her casting office, they crashed Breaking Bad and Walking Dead and Better Call Saul and come the fuck on. Or maybe they didn't. Yes. So um, they've done a ton of shit. Breaking Bad is, he, he's so good. Don't forget to take off your headphones and you grab the pen. Yeah, hold on. Let me, let me, let me. Um, Have you ever been in a big screen movie? No, Eric, I have not. Hold on one second, guys. Let me get a pen so I can make sure that I. Oh, here's, I got another question for you. I'm dabbling. You know, I've been doing the black glasses the black frame glasses. So tell me, how do you feel about this one? This is kind of clear. Or how do you feel about this one? This is crooked because I travel. I don't know about that one. Don't forget to get a pen. Yeah, that's a good idea. Hold on one second. So tell me guys, which one? Oh, and then there's always this one. We ordered a bunch of readers and I just can't decide which one I like more. I, th I just don't know. I think it might be the clear one that I like the most. Um, okay. Can I, do I not have any pens? Well, there goes that idea. Son of a dick, Doc. Um, Josh, my dog is bent. I can't fix your dog. I look like a librarian. First pair? Yeah, I think first pair too. Oh, Katrina says last pair. The lenses seem too big. <laughs> hilarious that's true the lenses seem too big pick up a lot of glare oh is that right too much glare with the first classes clear and black man you know christina i was just about to get to this you ready for this without a doubt uh i love that that is a compliment um without a doubt uh i forget the question you asked me hold on one second oh favorite book 
Um, without a doubt, Ray Ray says one. I'm going to go with what Ray Ray said. What's up, Daniel? Um, without a doubt, I just finished a book called Cast. <sighs> Guys, important for every white person to read that book. I just am saying, and you know I'm not that guy, man, to be like, white people, it is important for every white person to read that book. It, don't be offended or not offended or sometimes, you know, white folks get real defensive just because I say white people, oh, fuck, and you don't even know what the, you don't even know why I say why. Um, nope. Number two. Um, but it is a fascinating book and it just really, um, I, I will tell you that it is an important book for you to read. That's all I'm going to tell you. Uh, the book's name is cast C A S T E. It, it was the most eye-opening book I've read in a long time. Um, I have not seen, oh yeah, the King of Staten Island, Bill was great at it. Um, so some people like the second pair. Yeah. I don't mind this pair either. Um, those glare like a flat kid. <laughs> ah. <laughs> For those of you listening, Patrick wrote those glare like a fat kid at a cherry covered cheesecake. Yeah. I'm with you, man. Listen, I, I got to figure out what a stoop. Uh, means. But anyways, guys, so, um, yeah, I would recommend cast, uh, is, is what I would say guys, you know, they're all kind of similar. I just got to work on, I, I don't know if you guys know this. I've been having trouble with glare and all that shit. Uh, um, and I, with the, you know, I don't know what the fuck to do with lights and shit. I don't know how to keep the glare off. I know they glare, man, but it's better than not being able to read your fucking comments. All right, let's try that. Um, I do. Here's the thing about the next special guys. And I've told you this, I am, and I, I can't wait to talk to Bill about this. Um, I found an old CD and, and I've been in the process of rewriting it. Um, and, uh, it, so my deal is that I found this old CD that nobody's really heard and I'm rewriting the jokes under the lens of who I am now as a writer. And, um, I'm really excited. Some of the jokes, here's the thing. Some of the jokes, I'm like, Ooh, I don't know if I can do any better than that. Now, all of the jokes, this is the thing. I'm going to cut a bunch of the jokes. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to cut a bunch of the jokes. Um, just because I don't, I didn't like the premise. I don't like the joke. I would never talk about that. And that some of the other jokes that I'm rewriting are going from, basically one two minute joke to like a six minute joke. So I got to get rid of some shit anyways, but I'm really fucking psyched to do it. You know, it's scary. It's, it's scary. Um, because, uh, I in on any of the jokes. No. Um, because I have a, I feel a lot of pressure with this particular special one, because, you know, I don't know that anybody's done this rewriting an old one. And two, man, to do a special, I would generally get on stage about fucking a gazillion times and run it and run it and run it and run it and run it. Um, and, uh, it's exactly why I'm doing it, Bradley. It, it's a, it's a challenge that I haven't had before. 
and run it and run it and run it and run it. And I'm not gonna be able to do that. Uh, so this makes me really fucking scared. Um, but what I'm hoping is, you know, I'm really good with the fight or flight. Excuse me. Thanks, Carlos. I appreciate it, dude. One of the pods I catch regularly. Keep it up. I appreciate it. I'm really, really feel like the reason I write on stage um, is because I write better up there. My fight or flight instinct is better than when I'm sitting here. When I sit here and type on the computer, I don't type the way I write. It's not, I don't use, you know, I end up using words when I'm typing that I would never use in day-to-day life. Like it has three syllables or some shit, you know? Um, and so I, I, I find that when I can write on stage, I can really dig into it. And I, because I need to keep talking, I generally find something funny. This is not that material you did on the combustion studio special. Was that material pre-lockdown? Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't remember what that was. Um, I would have, I think it's a little of both. Definitely pre-lockdown. Definitely, definitely, definitely pre-lockdown. Um, and uh, I won't be repeating, obviously, any of that. But there was some of that material that will go into the next special that I was working on. So in March, guys, I was supposed to shoot a special. And hey, Crystal, in March, I was supposed to shoot a special. Obviously, it never happened. So I just released that material on my YouTube page. And then... In, uh, and Bill Byrne, two minutes, everybody. Uh, and then I was like, all right, I'm going to write a new special. And so I wrote a new special over quarantine. Although the only thing I held on to was that story about jumping off of the needle in uh, New Zealand because I hadn't finished that and I wanted to put that in my next special. So, um, no, no, no. We just, it's just harder to do it the way we're, we're I live in Nashville. He lives in LA, you know, but I love that Freddie Prince Jr. He's the best guy. And so I was up from Northern Ireland. And so I, I, I scrapped it. I rewrote another hour and I probably think I got about an hour 15 and then I found this CD. So I'm planning on putting out two specials this year, one, this and one new material. And let's see what the fuck happens. You know, I'm, I, There's so many things that I have come to terms with that make me feel better. I think some of it is just living here now, but I'm not too concerned about what other people have and what other people are doing, what I haven't been able to do and what's going on from Sherman Oaks, the old neighborhood. What's going on, Dylan? How are you doing, man? Um, and so that's it. Um, I'm excited to get all this material out to you guys. Y- you know, I have booked a couple of really weird things for me to go do, hoping that I'll get some new stories out of it. Um, and, and I, I don't know if you guys have seen the dream pods that I've been putting out or the music videos, what's going on, Saladin. I'm just, I feel more creative now than I have in a long time. Um, because I'm not, I think in LA, I was too worried about what other people were doing. So I spent my time on Instagram or whatever, looking at other people's shit and what other people were doing instead of just doing shit for me, you know? And so, uh, I'm really excited about, uh, all that stuff. Listen, Jake, yes, I am coming to Utah last weekend in January over at wise guys. So come check it out. 
Paul, I have no fucking idea, but I hope sometime soon. You know what I'm saying? Shannon, what's going on? James, James, thank you so much, guys. If you're not watching my dream pads on my Instagram, I, I, I enjoy them so much. I really hope you guys start to check them out. Um, yeah, we were both excited to get out of LA. Um, and listen, I'm not a guy who's, um, I agree. I agree. Hi, Katie. Katie's Katie. I hope we see you next time in Chicago, by the way, Katie, super funny person, super funny person. Great question. Uh, no, I, I think I want to get him under control first. Um, so that's it. You know, I hope, I hope, uh, soon, I hope maybe, um, but, uh, not right now. I appreciate it, Steven. Um, and so, yeah, I just don't know what I would say about him. And I'm not quite there yet where I want to talk about what they are and um, why I can't control them. And it's, um, it's, it's sometimes, you know, I get so down on myself uh, for not being able to con control myself or, you know, there'll be like periods of two days where I'm just like, what the fuck, man. And I'll lay down and be like, get your fucking shit together. And I just, so it's, until I can stop beating myself up about it, I don't know that I want to talk about it in front of the people, but I appreciate you asking. Bill Burr is here, everybody. Dream pods are great. Let's bring Bill in right now. Um, guys, listen, I don't, there's really nothing I need to say about this fucking dude. I'm one of the funniest dudes going, without a doubt. Um, I'm, I'm, and uh, we got a chance to spend a couple of days. Uh, hanging out a couple years back in Boston at the roast of uh, David Ortiz. It was a ton of fun. Everybody, please help me welcome Bill Burr. Bill, what's going on, man? How are you, sir? It finally happened. You good, dude? I can't hear you. Of course you can't hear me. Why would Why would any of my shit ever? Can you guys hear him? Just making sure. Hello. You're in the show. Now I Hold can't on. hear you. Hello. Nice. I can hear you. Let me try something else. Hello. How about now? There Hello. we go. There we, there go. we go. There we hey, go. Hey, how are you? It What's said I didn't on, have dude? the how latest version of my, my stupid phone thing, so I don't know if this is going to work. It works fine, man. Okay. How you doing? I'm good. Are you picking up a southern drawl out there already? Nah. I'm just, when I smoke weed, I hold on to my vowels for a long time. <laughs> oh, all right. Let's say you don't, you don't sound like you. No, I, 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 I have lost a little bit, uh, uh, for whatever reason, I'm losing my voice a little bit. So I'm, I'm super scratchy today. Um, but, uh, I feel good, dude. Now, let me ask you something. First of all, how are you? How's your family? Uh, everybody's great. Everybody's yeah? great. Yeah. I had a good time being, uh, you know, uh, dad, just being around the house. It's been great. I love it. How old is your kid? I get a four and a seven month. Can I ask you a question, man? I, I, I'm so Can't curious. Ask you a question, I, man. I just hit <laughs> a blunt and I was wondering what kind of Doritos do you get? 
I'm eating a slice of pizza, dude. I'm I'm like get in it, man. Diapers and shit, you know. Dude, I remember I remember people ask me why I eat so fast. I eat fast because I had to feed kids, which means I had to eat standing up. Do you know what I mean? Like that is I learned yeah, to eat half your meal. Half your meal is finishing what they didn't eat, and that's how you get the dad bod. Exactly right. Now, I, but I do, you know, I I like asking people this because I, it, for me, uh, I remember somebody asked me when I was a uh, when my kids were younger, and I was like, wow, what 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 would you say you hope your kids get from you, and what would you say you hope they don't get from you? Besides, don't say something like your face or whatever the fuck. But do you know what I mean? Oh, I didn't know um, you were going to dictate my answers on this. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you were all hippy dippy in LA. You smoke a little weed in Nashville. All of a sudden, you get to say, um, I'm fucking with you. Um, what do I hope that they get from me? Um, I, I guess, and I didn't have this when I was their age drive to go in and belief to go and think that you yeah. can do what you want for a job, I guess. Uh, what wouldn't I want them to get from me? Um, oof, only one thing. That's a, it's a long list. <laughs> my, my, my temper. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is that for me, what I hoped they got from me was also what I hoped they didn't get from me. Do, do you like, I hope my kids, I am, um, what's that? Your metabolism. Yeah. I hope they get them kept you in shape, but you could only get so big. And I know you probably came up in the eighties and nineties and you felt your biceps were less than some other people. But now, now you just look like this shredded. Let me tell you something, Bill. When I was in high school in the eighties in Western mass, and you know, we used to go to, we had an old mall and a new mall. I don't even remember what their real names were. I just, we called them the new mall and the old mall. Right. Right. And, um, Man, they at the old mall, they used to always tease me about how skinny my arms were. Oh, I fucking they were yeah. like, don't come back to the old mall. But they they, they <laughs> <used> to, <laughs> you got new they, mall arms. <laughs> Listen, I used to I remember my brother used to work at Chess King. Do you remember Chess King? That store at the mall. Dude, anybody who shopped at Chess King fingered their first check within those two weekends. <laughs> Second, you got those skinny ties, those little dance shoes, and you put the moose in your hair, you were fucking in there. My brother had that bar. You know, Dude, you he that, got that... third base off of Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> Chess King. I haven't heard about that in forever. Yeah, well, my brother used to work there, so I used to get 15% off. So, you know, I was going into Chess King, and, uh, but they, um, I remember I was like, because Chess King was at the new mall. It wasn't at the old mall. You know, the old mall had like Papa Gino's. And uh, did you guys have Papa Gino's? Chess King was for that white kid who had a little flavor. Yeah. He was I don't know if you know this man. But he had an urban feel. I I went through a little... in a cul-de-sac. But he... (laughs) (laughs) And the suburban uh... white chicks loved it. Couldn't get enough of it. Bill, I was in a breakdancing group in high school. We were the jam Jamhurst Breakers. Oh Jamhurst yeah. Breakers. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, the Jamhurst Breakers and we used to go up to the roller skating rink at the mall, New Mall. And uh they used Did to have you break show dancing. people what's up. Big time. <laughs> you know I would. 
Oh, you want to go in the parking lot and do a little battle? Oh, you do you think I you think I was scared of doing a little battle, Bill? So when did you when you saw Bring It On? Do you were you like fuck? Why didn't Why didn't I make write that movie? I lived that movie. I remember going and watching Electric Boogaloo. Uh, you know that that uh, that was in eighties, like mid eight, right? But we went as a group, you know, the, the breakdancing group went together. We were like, we should go see this together so we can look at some moves. Oh, yeah. And the dude who was like the manager of our group, he was always like writing things down. Now, you should do the backspin. It is. Um, I'm I'm happy, but also sad that there isn't at least one video of me in my, you know, because we used to go to Cape Cod in the summer sometimes and they used to air spray those T-shirts, you know. And so I got everybody in the breakdance group, one of those air spray t-shirts with their nicknames on it. So I had a sleeveless one that said J-Rock. And Hell yep. Yeah. <laughs> None of this is embarrassing. I don't think it is. This is all like, yeah. Now let Was me there ask you this. In, in your career as a dancer, mm -hmm. did you do more serving or did you get served more when you went out to the parking lot at the new mall outside of Chess King? I like would I'll, say let's, let's dance for skinny leather ties. I I would say that I got <laughs> served more than I was serving. Were I you, was not. Uh, were you a gracious loser? No. You gotta go like shake no. the hand. <laughs> <laughs> Or would you get mad? Did you learn from your losses? <laughs> no, I was not a gracious loser. And I was a great shit talker. So people always thought I was going to be better than I was. You because J -Rock, that, man. I was J-Rock, dude. I was J did you go through an unfortunate phase at all in high school? Like, was Did you go through one that was just terrible? I don't think it's unfortunate that you went through that phase. I, was, I'm, I actually uh, think that white kids that we're listening to that way back in the eighties and we're saying, no, this is good. Cause when yeah. uh, that electric boogaloo came out, we watched that movie and laughed and thought it was ridiculous. Like I didn't oh. get anything. And like, I'm just like, Oh, this is, these people are crazy. What are they, what are they spinning around on their heads for? And just the way they were talking, the whole thing just sounded like hilarious to me. It was a comedy to me, not like this really, like I, I was so far away from it that it played as a comedy. And then years later, you know, you go back and look back. It's like, no, dude, this was like, yeah, a a, a like a artistic revolution that was going to go global. And, you know, I uh, no, I was I was into uh, metal, and the only reason why I didn't grow long hair was because my hair grew out like an afro. So uh, that's the only reason why I, I didn't have a mullet. I tried to grow a mullet and I wouldn't have, and it would just keep curling up like a fucking shade. You can't pull down. It would just, yeah. <laughs> just keep going up. Did and, you, uh, did you, uh, now I, in high school, we called a mullet, a soccer cut. We didn't call it a mullet. Like we, we called in, it in, the hockey do, or it was the schlong hockey do. Yeah. Yeah. The hockey did haircut you, schlong or something short in the front, long in the back. And, and to see, cause I remember going to those hockey, uh, games in high school and watching it. And every dude had just that curl coming out of the bottom of his helmet that the, oh, where yeah. the mullet was sticking out. Did you play right. hockey in high school? No, I got a D in math in fifth grade. And that was the end of my, uh, my sports career where my, my parents felt that sports was taking too much away from my studies. 
And little did they know that it didn't matter because I still flunked everything. <laughs> so I played a lot of, um, I actually had a lot of fun with sports growing up. I think because it wasn't organized, I definitely missed out on a lot because of learning how to work with other people and then also having adults teaching you fundamentals of all those great games that we have. And, uh, but, you know, I played pond hockey and, you know, basketball, football, baseball. We, you know, we, it was New England. It was the four seasons. What sucked was I just remember playing hoop outside, you know, watching the Celtics play in the 76ers. You'd want to go out and play and it'd always be cold as shit. Your fingers were cold. Like uh, yeah. we never thought, but we, we never thought to play basketball, me and my friends in the summertime until we got older. Cause we, we, it was like the Red Sox were on. So we would be playing baseball, wiffle ball. Uh, what was that? Pitcher's poison. Remember that shit? Yeah. yeah did you play games? When you played wiffle ball, did you play like, uh, cause we played a ton of wiffle ball growing up, but did oh, you yeah. play with like people in the field and shit? Like actual games where you ran bases or did you oh, just yeah. have, a, yeah. No, they had to be like a fence and shit. And uh, we had like trees with foul lines and all that type of thing. We got it. We got into it. Then we would go. We got older. You go to the the, the little league parks. You do like the home run derbies. Yeah. And you have guys play against each other. It was really um, something socially that uh, you know. There's a lot of things that you know. When I look at young kids, I think, oh, that's really cool that they have that. But then there's other things that I I think that. Um, socially even adults now are missing out like me and my wife last night you know we're laying in bed and we just we didn't say anything for 20 minutes we're just like looking at our phones looking at yeah. nothing looking at nothing other than that animaniacs clip which is the fucking most brilliant thing i ever saw did you see i that? haven't seen that you remember that animaniacs song oh yeah we're, we're animaniacs we're animani totally zany and then they cut to this woman who was at the capitol she goes they push me and they tase me and um, <laughs> yes, just watch the show. And then there's that little roll with the drums. There it goes. Yeah. And she went like, <laughs> like it was so fucking brilliant. That somebody's musical ear that when they saw that clip, I mean, it was really like, it, it was a well brilliant piece of comedy. I mean, aside from whatever your political belief is, by the way, what the fuck is Antifa? I just know whenever some shit goes down and somebody doesn't want to say that that was our color tie. Everybody, that was Antifa. Yeah, I'm gonna start I, using I'm, that with my wife. You be sure that, that was Antifa. Antifa. Nah, didn't. Antifa didn't put they. Antifa put an empty milk carton back in the fridge. I don't know. That's their move. Uh, yeah. you, I will. You know, dude. The thing that got me the like that the 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 pepper spray woman made me laugh. But what made me laugh the most the, of some of the images and some of the images are obviously horrific. But who decides they're going to lead a revolution dressed like an Ewok? Like, who's like, hey, who should we send to, to be our representative? Let's send Jeff. But you have to be that level of crazy to do something like that. I would think. Now, here's the thing. I haven't watched any of it. And I sort of just choked around about uh, the thing on my podcast. And I was surprised. Like, there was not a bunch, but there was like a half, do like a dozen people maybe. Really. I started my podcast. I was like, you know, it takes a lot. I joke around a lot on this podcast and it takes a lot to upset me, but I, I have to be honest. What I saw yesterday, it was disgusting and it broke my heart. Those uniforms that the Miami Heat were wearing against the Boston Celtics flew in the face of everybody who fought for this country. I just felt triggered. 
I feel like the owner of the heat owes me an apology. And I just did that shit, right? Yeah. Because what the fuck? I mean, do you want me to like legit talk about it? It's like, I'm a no. clown. I'm a yeah. comedian. If you want to see yeah. people talking about it, well, eh, 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 you want to watch that shit? Go fucking put on CNN Fox, who I think should have taken their responsibility in what they do, which is divide America 24 7, 365. That's all they do. Yeah. That's all Bill. they're doing. And, Bill. And, and, and the people that I know that watch those channels are fucking like, they, yeah. they like, you know, I got to close the door here. You know, my, uh, somebody, uh, you know, comes over my house, watches CNN. So I'll walk by every once in a while. And when I watch that channel, I, I get like anxiety. But, then I go outside. I'm like, oh, it's all right. Everything's yeah. Okay. The sky the is, isn't falling. No, but, but, but news is a f- business based in fear. So you're not selling tickets to happy, but nothing gets people motivated, man. Like somebody saying, Hey, somebody's coming to take something you already have that, that to me, fear is the motivator. So if I'm a news channel and I want people to watch my channel, you, I got to get them scared about something. Yeah. So as they much as they ch- said that they were upset, they were psyched. That was like an easy news day. Great. Um, I only saw a little bit of it. I didn't watch any, any like I wasn't gonna look at that and be like, yep, that's 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 a, what a conservative is like. It's like no, that's a fucking lunatic. It's like they got lunatics on the left. I have like, I just watch old movies now. I've been watching a lot of uh, just just old fucking movies. I just Ow. do that. Uh, my wheelhouse is sixties uh, and seventies, but a lot of sixties lately. I like. Um, I saw Once Upon a Time in the West. Somehow I missed yeah. that growing up. Oh my God, what a movie! And uh, I saw all the other ones. Sergio Leone, I think his name is. It did yeah. all of those. Um, and then I, I've been watching some bunch of French movies and shit. Why are you a West? Were you ever a Western fan? Oh, I loved them growing up. Me, I loved me them. too. I, 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 I was Magnificent why? Seven, Fistful yeah. of Dollars, The Good, Bad, and the Ugly. Uh, why do you dollars think... more outlaw Josie Wales? All good, unforgiven. Uh, I wasn't a big like, um, did you yeah, watch unforgiven? unforgiven? You know, I, I don't think I ever saw that one for some reason. I just never saw that. I know it's fucking great because that's the closure of that character. So yeah. I want to go back and watch all of those ones again and then uh, watch the unforgiven. I kind of I feel like I have I the amount of work that Clinton everybody put into that, I owe it to that character to not just watch the conclusion and then go back. So, um, yeah, I've been doing a lot of that and uh criterion channel. Like I, you know, I've watched like a student film that had all, uh, black actors in it from like the late sixties in LA. And it was, if the sound was terrible, the editing was terrible, but it was fascinating. And I watched uh, a Chinese one. From 1967 huh. in black and white, and one of the scenes was a bunch of married guys sitting around talking about their sex lives in 1967. And the shit they were talking about was just, it just sounded like guys over here. This was 50 years ago, all the way over in China. And I would rather watch shit like that to see similarities. Yeah. Rather than sit there and watch 24-hour news networks where I'm going to have a fucking gun in my mouth or pointed it at somebody else. You know, because I am a uh, sort of a recovered conspiracy theorist. I still believe a lot of my conspiracies, 
but I, I just made peace with them that, you know, human beings, you know, we're, we're, we are incredibly flawed. Yeah. Like I'm having major, major issues with like a higher power judging. It's like, you know, at some point, are you going to take responsibility for your own work here? Like if you, if you, like but, I, somebody's like born a sociopath, they don't like make the decision that I'm going to become a sociopath. Like I feel like the devil is like a scapegoat, sort of, to try to explain away all of this shit. Well, you know, God gave us freedom of choice, and blah 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 blah, and all of this type of shit. And I just, um, Bill, I, I I would understand if individually you paid for your actions, but just the amount of innocent great people that end up crossing paths with some broken toy of a human being and what ends up happening to them. And they did nothing fucking wrong is where I have, let's that's, that's the, the, the grand expanse that I've never been able to come back to a religion that made sense to me because since I had kids, I'm like, Oh, okay, this is like making me feel there has to be, there's something going on here that religion doesn't have the ability to explain in a way, at least that I understand it, or maybe I'm too stupid to understand it. Who knows? Did you grow up in a religious house? Yes. Like, uh, not like, um, not like, you know, mother Mary on the wall, but like there was a time I had a Cal Ripken junior streak of like, I went to, I didn't miss mass for about 17 years. Even like into my twenties, dude, like I would go out and get fucking hammered. And drag my hungover ass to like 7.30 mass. Because he didn't want the later ones. And he started singing and shit. It took me fucking ever. <laughs> I, I will tell you. I, as a Jew, obviously I never went to mass. And um, I found, um, first of all, I found it more enjoyable than going to the temple. Just because I could understand all the words. I remember growing up thinking, well, how do you know what the fuck they're saying? Like, oh, you're saying I, you enjoyed going to mass more than temple or you enjoyed at, at first I enjoyed going to mass because I, because I more than temple, because I understood the words. Like I, I, oh, until they got to the part where they said the Jews killed Christ. You're like, yeah, yeah maybe, maybe temple wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah. That's when I was like, oh God, it got it. Got it. Wrong dojo. I, wrong dojo. <laughs> but I will tell you, man, I think in a oddly similar way, conspiracy theory and and please folks I, I don't think there's anything bad with religion i the one thing i think it's that it is very positive i do think there's some bad i think the thing that is positive is that it gives people a place to gather with a sense of community and i always think that's good now when that community starts to go down a squirrely path and starts to say you know preach violence or any shit like that that's terrible but i like that it gives people hope in a sense of uh, of faith right i think that's a good thing However, the one thing that I think that religion and conspiracy theories have in common is the boogeyman. Like, it, you're just allowed to blame something that you can't see or that is bigger than you to make you feel better or right. not blame or to, you know what I mean, to invoke. And well, I, I feel I, like re- religion, a lot of it's like, you know, you ever click on something going, and you're like, you know, there's a food out there that'll actually give you a flat stomach. In 12 minutes and over yeah. the next half hour, I'm going to tell you what this is. And after a while, you're like, just fucking say what it is. What is it? And then yeah. there's never the answer. Yeah, I always yeah. end up tapping out before I can get like, why is this taking a half hour for you to say <laughs> bananas or fucking uh, pickled something or other? 
Like, uh, anyway, I feel like religion is like that, where it's like, it's like you came in here, God's gonna love you. We're gonna explain the universe, and over the next blah 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 blah, you know. And it's just they never get to the whole. I don't know. It's just like you know, that's I, you gotta have faith, and you gotta blah blah blah. blah. And it's like faith is listen. You know what happens? I used to say this in my act. You don't know what happens. Nobody knows what happens till they die. Until they die. Right. And I remember seeing a thing right now. Uh, somebody was talking about this, where their grandmother used to say, when somebody died, saying they know the secret. They know the secret because they just died, so they know what happens. And that's what I think about all my friends that have died. I've, I've lost so many fucking friends, man. It's terrible. But I, I, I always think that. Like they all know. Yeah. They all know what happens. Do you? It, it's funny, you know. You. You've actually lost a, a bunch of comedy friends too, like a bunch. I was actually yeah, mostly comedy friends. Fortunately, you know, unfortunately, I mean, I've lost, um, geez, I don't know how many classmates from high school and stuff, but, uh, you know, I keep a list. I have all the names written down. I always look back and look so I'll remember them and stuff because, you know, each one, each one of those people, you know, we had good times, we had laughs and stuff like that. And uh, I'll yeah. tell you, like, I, 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 forget, I forget what the number is. It's something crazy. It's like up to like 50 or 60 people at this point and, uh, or 40, 50, something like that. And that uh, is, that's a ton. Say, say there's 45, 44 of them are men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's that's just like, I mean, yeah, it's like, it's, uh, yeah. I was I, actually doing. I don't know why it, that is. And, and by the way, oh, so actually, many people... probably because I don't really have any female friends. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, a lot of people in the chat are loving you on Mandalorian, man, just so you know. Um, oh, yeah. I got to thank uh, John Favreau, Rick Fanny. He well, wrote and directed. He he did both the episodes that I did. And uh, I'm dying to do, you know, something else with either one of those guys. If I don't know if they'll ever bring my character back or whatever. But um, that was John Favreau's idea. And the guys in the writer's room, when they wrote that character, Mayfeld, um, they were like, <laughs> They kind of had, I guess they had me in mind. It's not like I auditioned and beat out a bunch of people. I was lucky enough that they liked my comedy. So, but you auditioned um, for Breaking Bad, right? Yes, I did. And I, I think I, I read for, um, cause they just gave me sides from episodes they already shot. So I think I read some of Badger's sides, like who was Jesse's friends. Yeah. One of my favorite, Badger's one of my favorite characters in any show. That dude was absolutely bananas but i think you probably read my friend who grew up in a town next to me in massachusetts in northampton was a woman named sherry thomas and i think sherry cast thomas bialy probably cast breaking bad and she loves yeah. using comics like she um she had a bunch oh, of comics on breaking thank bad. god because i was always wondering because there was a lot of comics on that show I remember at one point we were doing a scene and it, and it was me lavelle crawford and uh bob odenkirk so you know he played saul i played uh kubi and um huel and what was cool was a quick little scene before mr white came in so i was already sitting there going like holy shit i can't believe i'm in saul goodman's office and it was my favorite show and it was like being you know sitting in the diner on seinfeld or being at arnold's on happy days whatever show yeah. you were into right and uh the top of the scene, you know, happens. It's just a little back and forth. I think we were talking about that guy, Ted Beneke. Um, 
And uh, I remember right before we did the scene, I go, you know what's fucking cool? This is the best drama on television right now. And for like these eight seconds at the top of this scene, there's nothing but stand-up comedians driving the yeah. ship. Yeah. You know? Then, of course, yeah. Brian Cranston came in and it was just like, all right, that's an actor. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what Sherry told me once? I had her, I interviewed her once. Um, and she, by the way, she got me my SAG card. I was on uh, Home Improvement. I had a line. Uh, I remember, man, when I got that gig, um, I was ra single raising the three kids and we were all living in one room. And my biggest perk was that wardrobe said I could take the shoes home with me. And I was like, get the oh, fuck, yeah. I can keep these shoes. And they were like, yeah, I was like, come on. But, um, I remember thinking that very first set I was on how different it was from stand-up. Like I, I went in thinking, Oh, I do stand up. This is going to be easy. I perform in front of people. And I remember like, think like oh saying other people's words for me anyways is so much harder it's so much more difficult and the the responsibility or not responsibility or but, but what i'm trying to get out of the people who are watching is so different than what i'm trying to get out of the people watching my stand-up that i i remember like i'm just I have to change my approach altogether because for me, comedy isn't about listening and acting is all about that listening to what is happening around you, you know? Yeah, no, it's completely inverse. Yeah. And, and, and stand up, if anybody says anything, you tell them to shut the fuck up and then you go into acting. Yeah. Like you listen. <laughs> so then when you're doing like that comedy thing, you, now you, it's like, okay, I did comedy, but I wasn't in a comedy team. So you have to learn how, okay. So it's, in this part, I'm, I'm doing the setup. So I need to lob this over the net so you can crush it. Um, or the other way around, like, you know, how to do the punchline. So I used to watch, you know, Jeffrey Tambor was a guy that I got a lot out of with when he was on Larry Sanders show. Um, I got a lot out of watching him where it's like this guy is not trying to be funny at all. He's just playing the scene and he believes he believes everything that he's saying. Like Jeffrey Tambor in in the Larry Sanders show was such a high watermark for me as far as like um, just how complex that character was. Just to be that level of success, but not quite Larry. Yeah. Dealing with that and 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 to be like. I don't know, he just had like this thing where it was like he had the ego of a guy on a show. And also that just that Grand Canyon of insecurity and the way he did it was just so believable and funny and, and just watching him basically fighting for respect. Like, and just, but, just think, think of the mind fuck of that, that you're on a TV show, the biggest talk show, right. Of, of that time and you're famous and you're on it, but people still don't respect you. Like what that would do to you to be like, what the fuck do I have to do? Like I've seen that with like comics where, you know, a lot of us had the classic, uh, you know, childhood recipe that makes you need to be a comedian. Right. 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 And then, and your thing is I'm going to get on stage. I'm going to make people laugh. People are going to think I'm funny and the world's going to stop fucking with me. 
And then you reach the apex of your career and there's this backlash, like, you know, some of those comics that have just gotten backlash. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, wait, I was trying to leave high school behind and now I have a national high school of people <laughs> on the internet. Like, now I feel like I'm walking into a cafeteria. There's no place for me to sit. And now it's the entire country. Like, just this... I don't know how that happens, but there's like a few comics that I've seen go through that where it just became open season on them. Yeah. Um, Especially and, now, and, man. And a few brought it on themselves running their yaps too much. I should talk, but um, other, other people, it was just that they were just sort of did a nicer act. Weren't really edgy, but that wasn't who they were. And they found their audience and they were living their dream. And, these cunts on the internet because it wasn't pushing any buttons rather than just moving on. Yeah. They were like, they literally like, Oh, you're the person I'm going to take my childhood out on. Let's all you, gang up on this person. I've seen it happen to actors and just, well, it's, it's easy, it's dude. It's, it, it's, it's the mob mentality, but you know, what's funny is you basically just described, um, my comedy journey in that I remember watching, guys like you and and uh patrice and and uh guys who had a, a bit of an edge and a bit of an anger to them right and i always remember thinking i oh, i want to that's I, that's how i want to deliver my material and then it took me a bunch of years to realize i'm not an angry dude so the no, you're not the, and i'm envious no, of that patrice wasn't angry either he Anybody who's watching, Patrice was not angry. I, I, um, he, Patrice, to me, if 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 he is not on a Mount Rush, your Mount Rushmore of stand up, you're not watching stand up. I watched uh, a bunch well, of. That's his another thing with my higher power thing. It's like, why take that guy? What that guy could have oh, done right now, people. Right now. Oh come on! Like since he's gone, like the whole Me Too thing, right up to this Trump shit. Uh, oh. the, I mean. It, it, you know, his, um, he did 20 minutes one time about Martha Stewart going to jail. It was one of the funniest fucking things I ever saw at Caroline's in front funny? of like 30 people. Was he funny? Um, off the cuff, funny, like just getting on stage and just talking. No, no it was a fucking show. dude. It was just a show. And, and he just took breaks doing stand up. The show was him off stage. It was all the same. It just bled in. It just didn't stop. I remember hearing yeah. like Prince would play like fucking, you know, he would play, uh, you know, run a dates at the forum. And then the last night he'd go to like the house of blues and just jam. Who yeah. Just did it just, that's just what he was. He was a musician. He didn't give a fuck how many people were there, what style of music. And he would just do it because he loved it to get better. To just fuck with people that, hey, was that Prince up there with that bluegrass band or some shit, whatever, you know? But, like, I think um, Patrice was the same way where he was, he was, uh, I've said this on a million interviews. Like, I remember one point watching him fuck with, like, the 15th millionth person out on the street. And it was so funny. And then this, this sadness came over me. Because I was just like, you know, someday he's going to be famous and he's not just going to be this guy that like nobody knew that he wasn't. That he was a comedian. That he was one of the best comics out there. They just didn't know who he was. And there was this that great 
period that I got to see, and I was just going to be, there's going to be a day where, you know, that fame thing, he, there are people going to expect it. Like, oh, oh, see, he's doing the thing. That's what he does on the blah, blah, blah. So I was just like really sitting there. I remember in that moment just going like, I need to enjoy this because this guy is going to be so fucking huge. Um, I mean, that guy... What do you think but it the, was the about level him? level of funny and profound that I saw that he made a lot of a lot of people uh, that were way beyond him just would become either totally enamored by him or like really intimidated and like try to you know try to was it bully their way into it so they realized that he was this unstoppable force. Um, was it because he was so um, free on stage? Like it, because he didn't have one, he was, you know, he, he was so conversational, which was, which to me is the goal, right? You, to me, the yeah. goal is, is to just be conversational and, and, and for me to talk and then for the audience as part of the conversation to be the laughter, right? That, if, if that's the style you want to do. Yeah. Cause yeah, for I, me. I love joke writers too. Yeah. Okay. You you know I I I took a job Bill um, writing for Foxworthy on Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader because I know how to tell a story but I just my joke writing skills were always really not as sharp you know and I remember taking that job to go okay I'm gonna have to write at least one joke about every question so I'm and they're gonna have to be in Foxworthy's voice. And so there's going to be a great exercise for me. And I remember part of my contract because the pay was nothing was in the contract was a Fox where they had to talk to me about comedy every lunchtime. That was the deal. If I had comedy questions, he had to sit and talk to me and we had the same manager at the time. And, but I remember taking that job and, uh, and writing jokes. And at the end of it thinking, yeah, this is a completely different skill yeah. the, the skill set that like that larry the cable guy kind of cadence you know what i mean is just something that i just don't have that's that happens to me with like roast jokes you've if said that when sit, we did that. i have to sit down and write a roast joke i have like a whole ritual i have to do what is it i sit out on my back porch i smoke a cigar back in the day i'd have a little booze but i just start talking to myself and I start talking shit because that's how I do jokes. If I just look and I start talking. So to, to, I was finding that sitting down going like, okay, David Ortiz is here. I just didn't do that. I just pictured, I was picturing myself sitting across from him, breaking his balls. Yeah. So that's how I had to do it. So it was very conversational. And I just sort of had my recorder on. And then in these little things I was doing, then came like stuff and then came like an order. And then I would, I would run them by, uh, I, I, I really like, I've done a few things. I, I've written jokes for, uh, you know, I've recently got to do it for an athlete. I'm not going to say the names or anything like that. I always feel weird. Yeah. Like that's some locker room shit. I keep it in there, but I, I, I've done that. And, um, it ends up becoming this fun hang. Because yeah. what I do is if, if I get the gig, I then call up two of my buddies who are also huge sports fans. And it's just like, all right, I'll, you know, I'll give you guys some, some of this money they're giving me 
and let's just all hang out and make write fucking jokes about like you know the Minnesota Vikings or the or whatever whatever you're supposed to be making fun of, and it just becomes this. We feed off of each other, and we're just laughing our balls off. And a lot of the shit we're pitching, we know they're not going to use. But <laughs> but then what happens is all of a sudden you're just in that mindset. It's the weirdest thing. And for like two days after the gig, I can't shut it off. All of a sudden, I'm like this joke. Hey, let me tell you my wife. Okay, I'm not saying she's going to cook. But hey. You know, all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm in that mindset. I'm like, wow. So... That, that was in Austin was a ton of fun, man. You know, that was a good hang... We got to do, uh, we, we, um, Bill and I, and a couple of the people, Adam Ray, Sarah Tiana, Lenny Clark, Lenny Clark, who wore the fucking Legoland yellow pants. By the way, Lenny's ripped. Check. Hey, Lenny looked checked. Lenny, oh, oh. dude, that guy, that guy, he that, went that, through- one of the most amazing things he ever did was become fat. That guy is so fucking like his idol is like third gear for anybody else. He's Dude. the funniest. He's the only guy I've ever seen smoke a cigar and not look relaxed. He's like, <laughs> another cigar with it. I was like, this guy, this guy had to be a comedian. This guy, this, this, no, this guy, if you stuck this dude in a cubicle, he'd be climbing the fucking walls. Pushing no way. Him over. He told yeah. me once he referred to a certain part of his comedy career as the sweatpant years. Because yeah, he, he said he was big. so big, he could just wear sweatpants. That fucking guy, I remember a couple times in the early 90s, you were just like, God, he's not he's not seeing the end of this decade. And then all of a sudden, he, he got off of, uh, you know, that that wheel. And ever since then, now I'm sitting, the fucking guy can do like 20 pull-ups. I know. Jack. It, but Bill, yeah. you know, I, the same thing for me, you know, I, uh, Joey Diaz and I started together, you know, in Seattle, me and Joe and Brody and, uh, Joe's lived in my house a bunch and we go back a long time. And I remember talking with him openly about telling him, there's no way you reach 50 years old, dude. There's no way, you know, I think he was at one Let point. Let me tell you he, something, cocksucker. <laughs> <laughs> but at his heaviest, he was over 400 pounds, Bill. No. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He was a big fucking dude. And he was, do you know? So just like Lenny, he has no middle ground. He went from not smoking cigarettes ever a day in his life to smoking a pack and a half a day. The first day he smoked cigarettes, he smoked a pack and a half. Oh, wow. So that's, you know, that, that's who he is. But I remember that's, but that's also why, his comedy is so great because if he's going to do a subject, you know, he's smoking the whole pack. You know what I mean? He's not going to sit there and just be like, well, this is kind of interesting. No, he's not he, leaving anything on the table at all. Yeah. Do you know, I remember yeah. when we started with him and I don't know if you know anybody that you started with that did this. Brody and him were the same in that when they were doing their actual jokes, they were bombing and they didn't kill until they got so mad that they were bombing that they just started to become themselves. (laughs) And as soon as they started, like as soon as Brody was, Brody was bombing one night and he bombed in a unique way that like nobody bombed like him. And he went into this thing about, he was like, you know, you guys are laughing, but he said, I'm a little anxious tonight. He was like, do you know how hard it is for a single man to shave his own back? 
He said, I have trouble spots. And he turned around and he lifted up his shirt and he had like patches of hair on his back where you could see he couldn't reach with his hand. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this dude's fucking crazy. But yeah. when he did shit like that, it blew it up. But when he wrote jokes, he was like a completely, both of them were completely, their jokes made them seem like completely different people than who they actually were. When Joey went off, listen to your cocksuckers. That's, that's some funny fucking people went crazy. But like, yeah, his I think, joke, uh, yeah, they, Brody's one of those guys, you know, where I don't know how many thousands of times I saw him do stand up, but I can't remember anything other than laughing my ass off and looking yeah. at another comedian going like, just being like, can you believe this shit? Like, like. He really was just doing his own uh, his own it, thing. I think the thing about that, this, it's this weird thing where they're not traditional comedians. Right. But they're fucking hilarious. So they almost have to go up and go, all right, here's stand-up comedy. Yeah. And then they try that. There was a guy, uh, Nick Costas was like that out of Boston. He had these jokes. And but you know they would do okay or whatever. But when he got frustrated or somebody fucking heckled him and he snapped, <laughs> one of my favorite things ever when I was coming to the Boston scene was when I would a buddy of mine would call me up, and be like, "Dude, Nick fucking snapped tonight <laughs> at Dick Doherty's comedy campus in Kenwood Square." And I mean, oh my god, what happened? What happened? And it was just always, it was always got a goddamn fly in here. It's always. Um, <laughs> You know, it's funny. People and it's listen. nothing too, like, I, I have a story of that guy snapping, but I don't even know how to make it funny. This was the way he did it. He was on stage, and he had finally gotten his own room, okay? And, and they started a room, and they, and they wanted to make him the host. He was booking a room? Yeah, so they had him book the room, but it was like one of those guys, that, I think it was Dick Doherty. He had, like, all these satellite rooms, so they had this downtown Um. Uh, what a Kenmore Square, I think it was Comedy Campus. And they were at Comedy Campus thinking that this would get all these college kids in there. So you show up the first night and there's like fucking, I don't know, it's like 12 people in the crowd kind of spread out. And he goes up to warm them up and he doesn't get them. He just sort of eats it. Then he brings up the first comic. The first comic goes up there and just, you know, gets them going. It's going good, blah, blah, blah. And he, all right, thanks a lot. Back to Nick. So then Nick comes back up on stage immediately. It's not going well again. They're just not getting them, right? So this goes on the whole fucking show. So uh, I think Fitzsimmons was, had driven up from New York and he was driving back that night. So he said to him, he goes, look, he goes, Nick, we got plenty of show, man. If it's not happening for you, just start bringing up the axe. And that fucking pissed Nick off because Nick was fucking hilarious. It just wasn't happening for him. So he went up on stage again and he starts doing his act and it's not working. And I can see in his forehead, he's going to fucking snap. <laughs> And he does another joke. It just fucking lays there. And he just finally goes, goes you know what? What the, what the fuck? What the, what, what, what the fuck kind of jokes do you fucking people want? This guy goes, how about some funny jokes? He goes, yeah, fu funny how? Funny how, huh? Like things going in and out of your ass? And the way he said it, I still can't do it. He said it with such vile and hatred. <laughs> In his voice, you actually pictured this guy's asshole puckering up as he was shoving shit into it. 
and the whole crowd horrified, horrified. And me and Fitzsimmons were in the back, just fucking, just, just dying, dying. And I and I remember, <laughs> dude, that guy was a fucking lunatic. I remember one time we were doing this gig. It was down near Northeastern. And uh, it was this downstairs bar that had, you know, those shitty, like, push-up ceilings, like when your buddy yeah. finished his basement? They had like that. And for whatever fucking reason, they had a lifeguard chair down there that was, like, made all out of wood. I don't know. It was probably for some other stupid event. And everybody was going up on stage making fun of the giant, you know, lifeguard chair. They bring Nick up, and he had the presence of mind to climb up it and sit in it like you like a sit-down comic. So now he, he was going to be like nine feet in the fucking air. So he's climbing up. He used to wear a sport coat, too, with these, these fucking uh, uh, Son of Sam shoes and no socks. And he's climbing up this fucking thing like an ape. And he's tall as shit. So when he gets up to the top of it, his head disappears into the ceiling <laughs> and then comes back down again, standing up there. And then he crosses his legs like he's sitting at some in somebody's backyard on a lawn chair. Fucking murdered. It didn't matter what he said. Like the whole crowd. He didn't even say hello. He just started climbing this thing. And people just were fu- with holding the mic. And he's trying to get up there in this dumbass suit. Um, so he, like that guy, like when crowds got him, I mean, there, I don't think there was anybody funnier. Like he was like one of those comics comic guys and then like um Brody was like that where it was yeah. just like i remember when he passed and there was so many that's so many but i got no but dude i watched this guy's clip this guy isn't funny it's like dude because this Doesn't isn't matter. it this, this isn't what he did like they never really captured what he did uh although uh the zach galifianakis show that he did on comedy central was the closest thing yeah like those are guys you just you it's like dude you can't just see this guy once you can't watch him on tv this is a guy you have to go you have to go to the club yeah, and you have to get to where his yeah. brain is at. And then once, once that you guys are on the same frequency, it's like you push through the matrix and this guy's going to make you laugh like no fucking comedian. A hundred percent. You have to, you had to see Brody live. There was no doubt about it. A hundred percent. You had to see him live. And I, so for me with Brody, what was, you know how you said he's not a traditional comic because he actually had you laughing at things that if you looked at, if say he wrote his punchlines down on a piece of paper, you might not be able to pick out the punchline. Like the fact that he got a laugh off of his GPA, right? He would tell you what yeah. classes he took at Arizona state and what his GP, what his GPA was. And he had people laughing. That to me was like, he was, so, he was so different, which is why yeah. I think it was inverted. Yes. Like with everybody else, there was their act, the crowd laughs, you walk over to get a drink of water, then you're back in your act. His yes. getting a drink of water was his jokes. And then <laughs> yeah. he, and he, he, did, he did it opposite. Exactly. So right. unless you had watched a ton of comedy, I don't think it made sense what how his brain was. It was like he was literally up is down, black is white, right is left. Yep. The whole thing was on its head. And I, I think that that's why uh I don't, he's just, he was just so fucking Bill. Like, I remember I, I still, I, to this day, I still can't even explain why, what he was doing was funny. What he was saying. No, I saw one time, I always tell the story. The one thing I really vividly remember was one night he went up there and described 
the his dream two bedroom apartment, and all he was saying was details. Yeah, but and, that's funny coming out like, of his voice. That's yeah. funny. Stepping down into yeah. the living room. <laughs> Apple cider vinegar. Like, Apple why does that Apple cider vinegar. Yeah, he's doing all stuff like that. Uh, Bill, you know, one time. bowl on the table might be real, might not be. <laughs> Negative energy, arms crossed. Negative energy, arms crossed. We, energy, I saw him one time. Yeah, I just, I can't Dude, even. In Seattle. Yeah, the old comedy underground. Did you ever play the old comedy underground? I played that one that that guy, he used to give you a shoebox full of cash at the fucking end of it. That guy, Terry. Yeah. Yeah. Was that that was Giggles. That was Giggles. Yeah, that guy was a character. End of the yeah, he, he, he literally gave you a door deal. So it was like all yeah. fives and ones and 20s and 10s all jammed together. Yeah. It's just like, dude, what the fuck is this? I'm not going to the yeah. airport looking like some drug dealer. Yeah. And he used to say, count it up. I think it's all there. I'm like, what? I don't. But one time in Seattle. Pioneer Square is where Comedy Underground was. Next to the Comedy Underground was just a place where there was a lot of homeless people. And there was a dude who was dressed like a clown. Um, and uh, like, basically, it looked like 15 years ago, he had performed at a party as a clown and just never took the costume off and lived outside from that time. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. the flower well, that, that just kind happened. Of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> something yeah. about clown makeup that you can never quite wipe it off. Oh no, it was Actors smeared. Play the Joker, they go crazy. There's something yeah. about that shit. It's it was smeared. His he would push his flower and it just dribbled. It was sad, right? Right. But Brody brings him on stage one night at the Comedy Underground, the open mic. Um, because he was always a very experimental dude. And for me, one of the things that that is one of the things that I always admired about him, especially early on to be such a young comic and be so experimental. I didn't have that kind of confidence. Do you know what I mean? To really go up and try something that you pretty much knew was going to eat dicks was not something I had the capability to do, but he always did. And he brought this clown on stage and I forget what his name is. He's like George, whatever. And he goes, everybody, this is George. You know, I'm sure you've seen him down out here in Pioneer Square. But George, you know, I've talked to him the last couple of weeks and he's always wanted to be a comic. So I'm going to give him my time for the open mic. And go ahead, George. And so there's, a, you know, about 30 or 40 people down there. And George tells a couple of jokes and uh, they're not funny, believe it or not. And, um, <laughs> but, you know, the crowd thinks this is part of the gig. They don't think it's actually some homeless dude off the street. And George, you can see him. He's not holding it together quite as well. He's he, the no laughter is really starting to get to him. So Brody can sense that. And he walks up and he puts his arm around him and he goes, come on, everybody. This is George's dream. Let's give George a little energy. And George looks at Brody and he goes, touch me again and I'll murder every fucking person in this room. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> you might have brought the wrong dude. And how did Brody handle it? He was like, George, everybody, come on, one more time for George. And he grabbed the mic and they gave him the light. And it was really, you know, he was, um, you could put him in any situation. I remember, dude, one of the gigs I was most excited to get that I bombed at. Um, I was supposed to, a couple of years ago, maybe five, six years ago, I was going to perform for the Dodgers. And I'm a big sports fan like you. And that kind of shit geeks me out a little bit. You know, if you're going to ask me, 
Those are those are hard gigs. Is it just the Dodgers? Yes. Yeah. I didn't know how. I've done one of those gigs. That those can be. You got to get them quick because they all know each other. I found what you do is you make fun of somebody on the team, and then they all love it. But don't jump right into your material, which I did. It went so poorly. Tommy Lasorda got on stage after me and made fun of me. He was like, oh, all right, buddy, no. I'm just going to do 10 minutes. Not, it seemed like an hour, that last guy. How long was he up here? I mean, he was everything that didn't work for him. He was like, at least it's funnier than that last guy, right? I mean, he was, wow. oh, by, by the way, rest in peace, Tommy Lasorda. Oh, but, did he pass? I thought he recovered. I thought he passed. I thought I read that this morning. Oh, did he pass this? Oh, my God. He almost made 90, though, right? 93, I think he was. 93? 93 Dude, you know that what? guy that guy was literally the face like, of baseball for me it, you look at what? that guy if he had street clothes on you like you're you manage a baseball team like he just him yeah. don zimmer there was just some guys uh like joe morgan a bunch of some big guys really passed away where it was just like listen i love listening to joe morgan like his love of the game yeah i agree like those guys that uh which I always love when a, an athlete gets in the broadcaster booth, uh, if they're good, you know what I mean? If they're good, you, you hear there's still their passion for yeah. their game and for the game and, and, and getting excited for younger players. I love Jerry Remy, dude. Good. Jerry I think Remy's, Remy's the great. best Rem dog. Yeah. I think he's really good. Like I really, I, for, especially for the people who watch the Red Sox, I think he is the absolute perfect color commentator like I, I i think he's so good and he was a red Sox, and he was a red Sox on some of those teams that you and i watched you know that was the first up. team i watched i still remember it was carton fist george Scott, jerry remy rick burleson butch hobson fred jim rice fred lynn and dwight evans yep yep that was the and rich team. was it rich it was carton fist not rich gedman not yet Carlton, no gedman wasn't around until no there was also gary allenson Oh yeah, some of the games. Muggsy, I who think, was, was his nickname. Who was DH for that team? What year uh, are you talking about? Seventy-eight. Yaz was Yaz on that team. Yeah, Yaz might have been first. Uh, George Scott might have been. I uh, bet you Rice, Scott, and Yaz kind of did left field, first base, DH a little bit. Well, I know Yastrzemski was in left field when Bucky Dent hit that home run. He was the one who looked up and just oh. yeah. Are you um, a, are you a, when you think of Boston, do you think Boston is a Red Sox town, a Patriots town, a Celtics town, Bruins? Like when you think of Boston sports, for me, I think of the Red it's, Sox. It's like any other sports town. Whatever team is hot, it's, you're going to see that that's the gear everybody's wearing. Yeah. Um, hockey's obviously huge, but basketball's huge. Like what I, you know what I do love? I love that the sound of the old Boston garden came over with the Celtics. It didn't with the Bruins. Yeah. I think with the Bruins, it's just the way that that thing is set up and how big the ice is and how far away the fans are. It doesn't, but like with basketball, how you're right up there on the baseline and, and you know, I mean, guys dive and they go into the frigging crowd. It's like wrestling with basketball. There's like no barrier. There's, um, the, the thing that I, I love is, uh, a sports intelligence by a crowd and Celtic fan, like all the Boston teams have it. Um, you know, Yankee stadium, old Yankee stadium. What I miss is that 
sound in the playoffs. As much as I hated, you know, the Yankees or whatever, like the fans knew, Yankee fans knew the game so well. You know, they're the ones who started that clapping on with two strikes. Yeah. Like just like doing shit like that. I remember watching a Celtics game and the officiating sucked and the crowd started chanting CBA. Yeah. And the fact that everybody knew about the CBA, like you were, and I remember what's his face, Bob Costas, loved it. He's like, oh, and the crowd is chanting CBA. Like, he's like, <laughs> that is high sports intelligence, you know? So um, I always felt like, uh, and it's what, I got to be honest with you, what I crave living in LA is every once in a while, I'll meet an old school like the last Lakers game or two, I went to an old, I, I, they have a little cigar bar. I didn't even know that in the fucking yeah. Staples center. So I went down there or whatever, like an idiot. And, um, I smoked one and, uh, there was a guy there and I got to sit there as a Celtics fan. He knew I was a Celtics fan, but he loved the game. I loved the game. And I got to talk. We sat there and talked about the Showtime Lakers versus the Boston Celtics. And I was, you know, we just talked the game and I got to ask him, what was it like going to the forum? And he, yeah. he goes, oh, there was nothing like it. You know, this place, it's not the same. And it, and it really isn't like these new ones are just so enormous. But where the old school ones, it was just like, it was just a court and seats. And well, you got to remember. Serpents and seats. That's all it was. With the new ones, so much, I think, and I could be wrong because I'm wrong a lot about a lot of shit, but I think so many of the seats are bought by corporations that it's not the real fans, especially right up and close to the court or close to the field. If you look at new Yankee stadium and sometimes you're like, there's oh, nobody. At that. It's a trap. It, and it isn't, empty. it isn't. You can, you can still hear those hardcore Yankee fans, but it's just like, dude, do you some remember they go to the game? They just fucking eat. Cause I got yeah. those home, all those, uh, somebody hooked me up on time with those behind home plate. Dude, um, that seats the and food you can get at the new Yankee stadium was crazy. And it was a hot yeah. summer day. So I felt, but I felt guilty. It's like, I got to go out there. I got to, you know, Fill in some seats. You know? But there's so much good food back there. I, I took my dad um, to that new Yankee Stadium. Um, and we got seats right behind. At the time, uh, I was with an agency and was doing well enough that they gave a shit about me. So they gave me some good tickets, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I was right there on, like we put our beers on the Yankee dugout. My dad is wearing wow. a Red Sox hat, right? He's wearing yeah. a fucking Red Sox hat. And we're walking in and I go, Dad. You know, somebody gave me these tickets. Like, I don't want to be disrespectful. This is like the team. And he was like, I'm 75 years old. I don't really care. And I was like, yeah, that's a good attitude. I like that. Yeah. He was like, what are they going to do? Is somebody going to fight me because I'm wearing a Red Sox hat? I'm like, no, you're you're probably right, right. about that. I think we'd probably be pretty good. No, but I, I, like, remember- I wouldn't do that either. Like, I wouldn't. Uh, if I went no. to a Yankee game. Somebody hooked me up with those tickets. Like, I mean, I root against the Yankees, but quietly. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be an me asshole too. and ruin your fucking time there. You know, because that's happened to me. Took my mother to a Bruins game. Bruins Flyers. I should have known better. Three Flyer fans behind me. Four Flyer fans. Didn't shut up the whole game. Cursing, just fucking assholes. And then we lost to. Oh, I was so pissed when I left. So I was just like, Do but you? The way Philly fans do it, it really is an art form. Oh, they're They've good. Just take it being a cunt to like, you know. Yeah, when they're someone good. like me is like, wow, I, I never thought to do that. That's a good one. They're relentless is what they are. There's no, there's no quit in that Philly fan. If they're going to get on you, it, you know what it is? It's time. all they have. 
It's all they have. <laughs> They're starving for championships. It's like being assholes is what they like. The fan base has more of an identity than most of their teams most years, unfortunately, because I was a big Phillies fan. I loved that 1980 team. And as much as I hated the Sixers because I was a Celtics fan, like my favorite team of the 80s was the 82 and 83 76ers. Oh, my God. I love that team. Was that the one with Malone? Moses Malone on the team? He was on the second one. Daryl Dawkins was on the first one. It was Mo Cheeks, Andrew Tony, uh, going back, Dr. J. Bill. And uh, Andrew Tony killed the Celtics. Like, and was nobody... Nick, his nickname was the Boston Strangler. I was just talking to somebody about that. Danny Ainge still tells, I guess, horror stories about him. You no knew his point line. Oh, that dude killed the Celtics. This is how much and he then... killed the Celtics. If, if Mitchell and Ness ever put out an Andrew Tony jersey that I that I fit, I would buy it. I would, and it's just that, that fucking guy. It, it was. You know who else? Vinnie Johnson was the next coming of Andrew Tony. As soon as the, if the Pistons were playing, his name was Vinnie Johnson, right? That tiny, that dude. Yeah. As soon as he stepped on the court against the Celtics, I was like, "Ah, here's 35 points right here. That's like, there's some. The thing about him was Lambeer was such a douche. I couldn't take my eyes off of him. Like Lambeer just had the star power. Like he was like, like if Bill Lambeer didn't play basketball, he could have been the greatest heel in wrestling ever. Ever. Like, I, don't, I don't think there was ever a guy that got under my skin the way that that guy, I, I fucking but hated still, that guy. Have you heard interviews with him that st- now? He's still... No, now I love him. He's hilarious because my favorite thing was in that, that Jordan documentary where they go, uh, when they show the Pistons walking off. And like, for some reason, Isaiah's trying to plead his case. Yeah. You know, and trying to be like, you know, he's like, sounds like he's always running for mayor. And then they said to Bill Lambert, he goes, do you regret not shaking hands with the Bulls? And I get, I didn't read, somebody told me he said this. He goes, he's like, no, fuck those guys. When we won it, they said we weren't real champions. And it's just yep. like, I love that. He's like a comedian that's not apologizing for his, for his joke or for his act. So, yeah. um, but I will say this, as much as I hate him as a player, like I never saw a big man with that top of the key shot that he had. Top of the fucking key. Like now as you see that a lot with these, you know, these nine foot white European dudes. Yeah. Like it didn't make any sense in the league back then that a guy as tall as him was that deadly from that far away. Because all those guys were down in the trees just banging every night. And he had uh I also love Moses Malone. Moses Malone had like guard moves. Like he'd do like the double pump and come up and underneath. Yeah. Uh, there but- was a buddy of mine who loved him from the Boston area. And he's just going, listen to that. No matter what the fuck he goes, he goes, they flip out about what we do. And then like Moses comes in a double pump reverse layup. And they're just like Moses for two. <laughs> like, Give it up for the guy. <laughs> but Lambeer in a, in a, uh, in a cheesecake factory in Houston, Texas. Oh, way, way back before, obviously uh, there's a number of years before he passed, unfortunately. And, um, and uh, I didn't want to bug him. I want to say, like, dude, I'm from Boston. I'm a huge Celtics fan. I fucking loved you guys. And I would put the 83 Sixers in a fucking second up against the 96 Bulls in a fucking second. You underneath against Luke Longley? The fuck out of here. You still got Dr. J? You got Andrew fucking Tony? 
So there, there's their Jordan and Pippen. But Moses, 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 Moses is the big equalizer. I'm not saying there. that they would win the series. Who knows? Yeah. But this whole foregone conclusion that the 96 Bulls would just mop the fucking floor. And I'm not shitting on the Bulls because I don't. They, they never said it. It's it's sports writers and stuff. And and I think a lot of times that you know people look at like records and shit, and they just go, "Well, you had more victory." They really do like that that sort of numbers thing. Like you know what I recently found out about the 72 Dolphins, which I think that's why the Dolphins never won again. I think What's that that because they're cursed because of the 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 mo of the uh the bad karma of the 72 team. Just rooting for people to lose every I mean, don't year, you, uh, and then toasting, yeah, champagne and all of that <laughs> shit, right? So that year they went under undefeated. The winning percentage, they had one of the easiest NFL schedules in history. The winning percentage was like three ninety something overall. I they didn't played even two, know that. two teams over five hundred. Um, well, think Bill, about it. Did you the know that sucked that year? Jets terrible. sucked. Um. Dude, I, when you talk Colts about the six, was it Colts? I don't um, know who's in the division. I should shut up. But uh, in the seven seventy two, I don't remember who was in there. But well, they, it, they, they, was, the merger was only a couple years old at that point, so I don't yes. know what the divisions look like. Um, if only we had a computer, we could like look that up or something. Yeah, but then I, I would have to really care. Hey, I got to pick um, my daughter up from school in like five minutes. So uh, all right. Okay, so then do me a favor, man. You know, what I've been trying to do on these Friday podcasts is one of the things that I, I obviously small businesses are being crushed under the weight of what the fuck is happening. So I've just been asking my guests if they have any small business, somebody they grew up with or somebody, something from their hometown or anything they'd want to promote to give these guys a little bit of a shine. Um, I'm really trying to uh, to do that. So I, I do you have a small business you would like to uh, promote? A I got bit? a little restaurant that I like going to. All right. We like fried chicken, uh, Dinah's Chicken in Glendale. Dinah's. Uh, California, uh, California, Dinah, D-I-N-A-H, apostrophe S. Um, Dinah's Chicken, huh? Yeah. Is it a hot chicken? No, this is old school, just fried chicken. Everybody's into the fucking hot chicken now. This is just Not an me. old school I don't mind how much. I used to go to that fucking Howland Rays used to be a food truck right outside where I'd, I'd get my head buzzed back in the day. And I still had a little turf on the field here. Um, and I would come out and I would just, you, I could really just walk up to it. Now it's in Chinatown. I mean, yeah. I'm really happy for those guys, but I went down. I'm, I'm never getting another one of those sandwiches. The line just, is out the door. Out the door, down the block. Yeah. Around. Yeah. You would think that they're fucking testing for COVID in there. <laughs> Free test or something. Um, by the way, wasn't that vaccine supposed to come out this month? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I don't. I don't know if they've been uh, if they had a rollout plan uh, that is working quite as well as they had hoped. This is how conspiracy thought... theory starts. They, they people, regular people cannot accept the fact that we are in fact this disorganized. We are not, and we don't anticipate. We react because they're yeah. like, "You're telling me." That you could just have a bunch of people run into the Capitol? That's what we learned. That's yeah. what we learned. <laughs> yeah, that's Dude, what I'm telling you. Before they started exactly. hijacking planes, there was no fuck. the early 70s. Up until the early 70s, there was no security. No matter. Right. Did I lose you? Oh. All right, there he goes. Well, we lost Bill.
However, guys, I mean, seriously could have talked to that dude for hours. Um, Howlin' Rays is, if you live in California, Howlin' Rays is, or if you live in LA, Howlin' Rays is so damn good. But he was saying, talking about Dinah's in, in uh, Glendale. I have been there as well. Um, a delicious sandwich. We're back. Donut, you there? Hello. Yeah. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, my damn headphones aren't working. I was I was going to say, in the early 70s, somebody just called me. For some reason, I couldn't get rid of the call. Probably because I'm an idiot. But, like, they didn't have metal detectors. You could literally have a gun in your briefcase and just get on the fucking plane because no one had ever hijacked a fucking plane yeah. in the United States. And then all of a sudden, somebody did it. And then they were like, oh, metal detectors. You know my favorite part? And I know you flew on these planes, too. Why isn't this? I can hear you. I can hear you. I can't hear you. You sound like you're making, I don't know what a turtle sounds like, but that's what you sound like. I'm just hearing like cracking You, can't hear, you now, can't hear me? Now I can hear you. I think this is. Do you remember, I'm losing him again. Do you remember the, and I remember even at, at a young age knowing how ridiculous it was, having a smoking section on a plane, like the smoke didn't make it up. But my dad, because that yeah. the seats right in front of the smoking section were super cheap. So he used to always buy those seats, but he was like, no, the smoking section is back there. So you guys will be good. I'm like, He's... <laughs> <laughs> anything to save my dad, man. We never let him now book a hotel because if he can save, um, I remember cause I took him to the masters. One of my true, honestly, for me, the best part about this job is being able to do things for people that I love that they wouldn't normally be able to do themselves. Do you know what right. I mean? Take my dad to the masters. Jacob got to be a bat boy for the fucking Red Sox. He's dude, right? Take him to a, 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 a Coke field orgy in the Hollywood Hills. I mean, this that's is a stuff, great idea. Stuff you dream about. taking. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a great idea. Dude, I have to, I have to, I gotta go get my uh, kid. I, I can't be that parent Don't that gets be. there last so she doesn't think i love her thank you so much man i really appreciate you doing this um, it only took us three years to make it happen we figured it out dude thank you so out. much for coming by dude no worries all right brother thanks for Talk having soon. me we'll see you got thank you guys um you know i had so many questions for him about comedy and it just ended up being a conversation ah but maybe we'll try to do it again um, but what a great talk, man. I, 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 uh, that was good today. I felt good. Um, guys, thank you so much, uh, for listening to the, tell me something good pod pod. Uh, that was Bill Burr coming up. I'm going to have Joey Diaz, uh, Chelsea Lynn, a bunch of other people. Uh, and, um, and you guys. And so, I want to thank you guys again for tuning in. Um, and, uh, yeah, always good. Next Friday again, um, three o'clock central time. If you want to watch on my Facebook fan page, or you can always just find the tell me something good pod pod out there. Um, also guys just want to remind you that February 6th, I'm doing my special man. It would mean a lot if you guys would, uh, check it out and stream it and join me at night. 
Um, I'm really excited about this. I'm, I'm, I wanted to talk to him about rewriting that CD. I forgot to do that. Um, but, uh, excuse me, but uh, February 6th is, uh, that's going down in, um, Salt Lake city. Well, the last weekend in January here. And uh, I got, uh, some more dream pods coming out, some more music videos and everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you, Katrina. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me and Bill on the tell me something good pod pod. And we'll see you next Friday, everybody. Love you.